It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Today, the Bengals hosted the New York football giants at Paul Brown Stadium. Old friend Kevin Zeitler playing right guard for the Giants in a 25-23 New York victory over the Cincinnati Bengals, in which the starters only played parts of the first quarter, didn't even make it into the second quarter, and Eli Manning only played a single drive. For the New York Giants. This probably will eventually lead us to a bigger question on preseason, its importance, as Joe Mixon, who was scheduled to play, uh, did not play. And later in an interview said it was the plan all along to let him rest. So he'll go down with a, with an official carry, one carry for this preseason on someone they're definitely going to lean on going into the regular season. And so the, the first team offense played three drives. We had mixed results, had a very good, clean, efficient scoring drive, and got out of there. And I guess that's the way to do it. Leave on a high note. And don't commit any pre-snap penalties. That was a big highlight for me for the first team and really the entire offense. Maybe these refs were just keeping their flags in their pockets. There generally weren't many flags in this one. Or maybe right. maybe both teams were playing pretty clean. High level, I thought the first unit... There's some concerns for the running game for me. I think that Joe Mixon fixes a lot of it on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, eye discipline was a major problem on the Eli Manning drive, I thought, uh, on a couple of plays where the linebackers and Sean Williams got caught looking at the wrong place at the wrong time, and that led to some big plays for New York. And play action, I thought. Again, on defense, uh, these guys were quick to overstep or or get sucked in i thought the easy completion over the middle where tony mcgray was the nickel corner it was a slant and he opens his hips and allows the guy to take that inside uh path on the slant and he's got no help inside unless the linebacker is supposed to be there and and wasn't uh you give up easy completions like that on third down you're gonna have a full long drive where you end up i mean we ended up seeing it it was it's such a long drive that we ended up seeing backup defensive linemen in there at some point yeah and i thought tony mcgray speaking of just did not have a good game, was out of position pretty much yep. every time he was targeted. And and a lot of people on Twitter were really praising Daniel Jones for his game tonight. He had some big plays and some big completions, but, I mean, he was chucking the ball up in the air. And, the you know, William Jackson couldn't find the ball. Tony McRae, you know, was in the bad position. The receivers made good plays to their credit, but 
Daniel Jones' best throw, I thought, was the crosser that uh, Golden, whoever that receiver yeah, for Britain New York Golden. is. Yeah, you made a sliding, diving catch for. I thought that yes. was Daniel Jones' best throw. That one was right before half, right? And the right. clock ended up expiring. Yeah. Um, and maybe I, I even saw someone nitpick that if that's a better, stronger throw, maybe Britain can stay on his feet, yeah. catch it, go out of bounds, and they yeah. get another playoff. But, yeah, that's fair. yeah I, I didn't uh, – I didn't see anything with Jones, but that you know made me wish the Bengals had him or anything like that. In fact, uh, the highlight for us, and I think we kind of, someone, as one of our listeners said, we called it that uh, Carl Lawson decapitated or tried to Daniel Jones on a great pass rush, man, where he he beats the the left tackle for the Giants and Sam Hubbard comes in. They both get nice hits on him on a forced fumble. Yeah, I thought Lawson looked pretty good on his limited action. Hubbard had a couple pressures as well. Just talked about that. Geno Atkins, I think, had three snaps. I might have missed one or two. He had two snaps that I saw at three tech and was just an absolute yeah. man on fire. Nobody could block him. He just put the guard on skates twice, had a, incredible pressure, drew a hold the first time. Yep. They ended up, I think, declining it because the pass was incomplete anyway. Um, and when we get to the defense, we'll talk, I think, a little bit more about some of the interesting alignments we saw from the defensive line because mm. that was the most noteworthy thing, I think, outside of some of the individual performances. We saw a couple little windows of schematic stuff on both sides of the ball. On defense, it was the defensive line alignments. On offense, there was a couple plays that actually looked like the Rams offense for really the first time. I know they've been running the concepts, but it looked like the Rams offense on a couple play action plays uh, for the first team offense in the first quarter. Yeah. And I already know what plays you're going to bring up for those. So I'm not going to um, hash them until we get to that point in segment, probably two and three, where we'll do offense and defense. But I thought overall um, cleanest game they've had in terms of penalties. I agree on that. And I think we definitely got an opportunity. Here's, here's one thing we didn't know going in and the preview that we found out right before the game was that uh, it wouldn't be Malone and Core as the starting outside receivers. It was going to be Damian Willis and, help me out here, Auden Tate as the other one, in which we end up, Damian Willis has a great game, but Auden Tate, not so much. Auden Tate had a catch uh, for first down there with the first team, but then he ended up leaving with a knee injury. He had his lower leg wrapped, but it wasn't elevated, somebody pointed out in my mentions, Mm -hmm. which maybe is a sign that it's not that serious. He stayed on the sideline. So maybe, you know, maybe he's fine and it's precautionary and he's made the team. Maybe he's just made the team. That's what it was. I thought Cody Core, though, had a very respectable game. All things yep. considered, Josh Malone had a touchdown with Jake Dolagala in the fourth quarter. Speaking of, I thought Jake Dolagala showed some stuff. I mean, he has some awareness issues, I think. If you took Jake Dolagala's arm and Ryan Finley's pocket awareness, you'd have a oh, very yeah. good quarterback. Yeah, and and, his, and the intelligence and experience of Ryan Finley, because there was a couple sacks that Dolagala took, or at least one was a pressure. I, I think he kind of got out of it and ended up running for nothing, but... Uh, that were blitzes designed by the Giants, and he had a hot read. I thought he could have hit either guy, and he just either didn't see it, didn't recognize the blitz for whatever reason. I mean, he, you know, coming up from that small school to the NFL and not playing in the entire preseason, preseason until week three, he looked like he should have. But his upside did flash. Yeah, so that was fun. He'll be a practice squad quarterback if he makes it there, and I imagine he will unless he chooses to sign on another practice squad. I don't think anyone's going to – Use a 53-man roster spot on him based on what they saw tonight. Going to Central Connecticut State, he obviously needs some time to season in the NFL. So we're going to get into it a little bit more in the second and third segments. We'll focus on the offense first, and then we'll get into the defense in depth in those segments. But first, 
let's tell you about our first sponsor tonight, and that's DoorDash. Last time we talked about DoorDash, I was talking about when I'm wearing sweatpants and I don't want to eat leftovers. Well, you know what? Your parents don't pack your lunches anymore either, but you still have to eat. And I know you've got favorite restaurants where you live, and I bet you DoorDash delivers to you when you don't want to bring your lunch from home and you need something that's easy and convenient. You know what I like DoorDash for is the restaurants that don't deliver. I mean, I've got all my favorite pizza places and restaurants that will deliver, but the ones that I don't want to leave to go to, DoorDash delivers for them, usually. And I'm sure they do for your favorite also. Yeah, they've got door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada. So go check them out. If you download the app and use promo code Locked On, you can get $5 off your first order of $15 or more. Again, that's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. We'll be right back. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And we're back with the Locked On Bengals podcast. This is our instant reaction to the 25-23 loss for the Cincinnati Bengals at the hands of the New York Giants. Segment two here. We'll talk about what we saw, what we... um, you know, really, the offense. This is what I. This was the game. You, you you circle preseason week three as okay. This is what when they're gonna look the most of like what we expect. And I think there was still a lot of competition battles going on, not only offensive line but wide receiver, that it kind of maybe hindered the the look of what the offense could be. I mean, obviously, when you're not having, when you don't have Joe Mixon, John Ross, AJ Green. Tyler Eifert, what, three or four snaps probably. I, I noticed them just a couple times. But it's going to look different because you're missing those pieces. But at the same time, it was still rough to start. And, it, it, and I even said at the time on Twitter, I'm not sure they've had a clean drive all preseason. And it wasn't until that last one, that third drive, where uh, I believe Trey Hopkins came in at left guard to replace Michael Jordan, who mm-hmm. started the game at left guard. So maybe that means Jordan's the starter week one. But maybe it also means there's still competition if they were rotating guys in that early, which Hopkins did. And it started off with a um, a, a nice throw to Tate, which Tate adjusted, and then a throw to Boyd. And then Rodney Anderson got in the game and made a nice play after a catch. And then a deep touchdown to C.J. Ozama gets the first team off the field. And I don't want to start with the third drive, but that one to me is the drive we're going to show for preseason and pin all all of our hopes on. Well, and I think that's the drive where you see the two plays that I'm talking about in the first segment when I say these are the two plays that actually looked like the Rams offense. You're under center, you've got play action, and you hit that crosser to Boyd. And when when they signed uh, Zach Taylor, I, I said, I just want to see John Ross run that route all day. I want to see John Ross running play action crosses all day, but hey, just as good if it's Tyler Boyd because he was in a ton of space there. And that's what you saw guys do in the Rams offense all year last year, very, very successfully. And then I think you highlighted on Twitter the fact that you have these slot and tight end verticals with, with a little bit of a wheel action to the tight ends route where he's taking it out toward the sideline. Yeah, he's, he's bending it a bit. Yeah. 
I thought it was a wheel when I first saw it, but then the replay, you can tell pretty clearly that it's not a true wheel route. But regardless, it's a play-action play where you're sending the tight end out wide, isolating that safety who's got to take him in a one-on-one matchup. And Andy Dalton drops the ball in the bucket. That was a Mm -hmm. great, great throw to a given an open receiver, 28 yards downfield, whatever it was. But he, he put it in a perfect spot. Easy catch, easy touchdown. Yeah, and the thing that I really like about that play, and it sounds simple when you say just a, a tight end and a slot guy running vertically, right? But you've got just on the right side of that formation. So you've got two receivers to the left, and you have Boyd and Uzama on the right side here, stacked almost, right? Uzama's on the line of scrimmage, as a tight end would be. But Boyd's almost behind him in a slot position. So releasing both those guys upfield together, there's no boundary corner really. The, the safety's probably leaning to the left where the two receivers are. And then you have Uzama bend it towards the sideline. It creates that spacing, that gap. Both guys are now press, uh, pressing downfield. If there's a safety to get over there or that linebacker that that uh, that's whoever's going to cover Uzama – he, he's got to respect the boundary or any throw out there. And by the time they're 15 yards downfield, Uzama's running past them because that guy's never flipped his hips and gone downfield. That free safety is never uh, going to be able to go with him because he's probably protecting from Boyd coming up the seam. So it just leaves a nice schemed open throw that is a hard throw, I mean, 28 yards, but that's what I want to see mixed. That's what you want to see, right? You want to see the scheme, get a guy open, and then Andy Dalton capitalize on the situation. And he did. Do you agree that that was a perfect throw? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I said that. He, I thought he had a perfect drive because there's a couple other plays. The Auden Tate play, and the Bengals have been running this a few times once each game, and I'll probably talk about this when I write for The Athletic, is they'll have, because uh, Josh Malone caught a similar play, but it's almost like an RPO where they'll have the option to hand it off or throw these sideline routes if the coverage dictates it. So if you have off coverage, you're going to run a hook. And if it's if it's not, if it's like a cover two or 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 if that's, it's man coverage, you're going to... Um, uh, you're going to run a slant with those guys, those guys on the outside. So you also have the option where if it, if that corner blitzes or anyone from that side blitzes, you can run an out route. And that's what Auden Tate does. So re- quickly, as soon as that corner jumps up, and I don't remember if it was Jonas Jenkins or not, but someone jumps up there, Auden Tate snaps it into an out route. Dalton fires it. it it's a little bit high, but you're kind of um, – you're kind of ad-libbing there on that, you know, because it's based on timing and recognizing it at the same time. So that that's probably why the ball came out high. But Tate snatches it, has almost one hand back to the ball, and then dives for the first down. It's a great play. I thought it was a high throw because he ended up having to put it over that corner who either yeah, sat down in a weird zone or, like, cut his blitz off when he realized that he was going to get the ball thrown right over that's his head. That's what I think happened. And so Dalton has to put it high to fit it over him. And it's like a second-level throw at that point between linebacker and safety. And, and it's a weird place to throw that kind of ball uh, on an intermediate out route, a short out route, really. Because you see that a lot on corner routes where you put it between the yeah. flat and, and the deep you know, the deep zone on that side of the field. But on an intermediate route, it ends up having to come out more in a line, which leads to the high throw. But on Tate, like you said, makes a good adjustment, falls forward for the first down. And it was too bad that we didn't get to see a little bit more of Auden Tate, but yeah. it sounds like his position's on, on the team's locked up. And speaking of guys that I think locked up positions on the team, Damian Willis, with Stanley Morgan unable to go tonight, goes out there, makes a great catch uh, through pass interference, almost yeah. makes another one on a poorly thrown ball. Two real, quite poorly, poorly thrown deep balls from Ryan Finley, who just showcased his lack of arm strength today. Showcased sure. that he has... Great pocket presence, great pocket awareness, management. It's all there. That's great. 
but you make him throw outside the numbers, you make him throw deep, and he's not on time, you're you're risking an interception. You're you're making your receivers go out there and make high point plays, and I, this isn't a to to just be negative on Ryan Finley because he does have some traits that are very hard to learn, but that arm strength is always going to be an issue for him. That said, I think he's, he's an excellent backup option to have. But the point I was starting to make was that Damian Willis, I think locked it up. He almost made that catch over Janoris Jenkins on that underthrown deep ball. He had one play that I thought he should have held on to that, that play he got chopped out of his hands in the middle of the field, yes. but he did have a touchdown as well. So he came back and he answered, he had another, you know, three catch 50 something yard night with a, with a touchdown. Yeah. Both those fade throws by Jake Dolagala oh, yeah. were pretty nice, you know, cause you have so much, you, you aim for that back pile on that corner, but they're based on the leverage of the corner. You can throw it to the front. You can throw it a little short. You can throw it more inside to the back uh, uh, line of the end zone. And he picked both spots correctly on, on each time. And I think the receivers adjusted correctly and, and were able to chase and get under those balls. So for Damian Willis, again, a good game. I think it was three for, Three catches, 55 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, yeah, especially if Tate's hurt, he's got a spot. But, again, Core Malone, they provided something in their opportunities. Also, I do think Willis is on the team. I just think it's a tough decision. Normally, yeah. as you know, you should expect with a deep roster position, I, I usually feel like an injury is going to happen there and kind of settle it and figure it out for you. And it hasn't happened. Maybe Tate's, you know, is more severe than we, not that I'm hoping for that at all. I hope Tate's on the roster. I just think typically those things happen. And then whether it happens week three or week four in the preseason, it may clear it up a little bit. Uh, but one other thing I wanted to mention, uh, just to start the game, too, I thought was interesting. With the tight end screen to C.J. Uh, Ozama, Ozama had two nice, really uh, good catches. Uh, but... Tyler Boyd wasn't out on the field. There was a couple of plays on the first drive where Boyd's not out there because they're out there in two wide receivers, two tight end. And and also, Tyler Boyd had a drop over the middle. I was going to say when you were talking about him on the crossing route that he's been fantastic on those. And then he did have a drop that killed a drive, and you could see how upset he was on the sideline. That drop was really frustrating for me as a fan, too, because that was going to be a conversion. They were going to be able to get a drive going there, and it was just like a oh, stone-cold drop. Just yeah. absolute drive killer. They could have gotten some momentum going. We've been wanting to see that clean drive, and they eventually got it. We still haven't seen a clean drive that involved any semblance of a rushing offense. Right now, I continue to chalk that up to Joe Mixon not being there and this running game being designed for Joe Mixon and his ability to see the field, his ability to be patient, his ability to use angles to his advantage and process information quickly. But Geo... Rodney Anderson, Jordan Ellis, you name it. They, they just didn't get it done with this offensive line. And we should talk about the offensive line here for a couple of minutes, I yeah. think. Because, again, the pass blocking was okay. Andy Dalton said in the sideline interview they had a miscommunication on the third down uh, where Dalton took the hit. And that might have been that Dalton didn't see it or they might just not have gotten the protection set properly. Hmm. But they, they consistently cannot run block. And I wonder if it's because they're moving around so much, but it's just it's just a theme at this point. And I want to chalk it up to Joe Mixon not being out there, but you can't really just put it all on one guy. And I, you do have to wonder at what point the rotation and battle for the offensive line needs to be settled because 
Um, Michael Jordan goes out there with the ones. Trey Hopkins replaces him, and then Trey Hopkins goes to center. Billy Price goes to left guard, and then they come out in the third quarter. Now, I mean, the starters have been out for a while, and Billy Price is at right guard. Trey Hopkins is at center, and Michael Jordan's at left guard. So Michael Jordan comes back in after not playing for a, uh, a full quarter, and it was just, okay, well, you know, these guys should be beating up on backups if they're going to be your starters, and yet they're still not. They struggled from the running backs in total. 14 carries for 20 yards for the backs. After this preseason, they're only averaging like 2.8 yards per carry from the running backs. It is not a good start. It's not great, and it, it's getting to the point where concern is starting to set in, I think, for a lot of people because is this going to be a team that throws the ball 600 times because they can't run block? And when you start to do that, we have seen these offenses in the past when you're just relying on the the passing game and, uh, you know, you're not a super efficient team with with a great quarterback. You start to get to the point where you're a bad offense that's just throwing it a lot. Yeah, that is the risk. I will say that the pass protection was mostly good again tonight. O'Shea Dugas, the hive is dead. Mm. He had two major mental errors that led to sacks, I think. It wasn't even necessarily a physical thing, but I, he, his he eyes were in the wrong spot. He lost physically a bunch, too. Did he? Okay. I, I wasn't really watching him that closely outside of the couple sacks he gave up. And then he got pulled. Like, pretty yeah. quick he got pulled out of the game. But they, you're right. They need consistency. Zach Taylor said they want to get two weeks of practice up until the regular season with whoever their starting line is going to be. So they need to figure it out by Sunday, Monday this week. One other highlight for me on offense was uh, just before the Boyd drop on second down, they went empty. It might have been first down, actually. They went empty and threw it to Gio, who was split out wide. He ran a quick comeback route. This is something we talked about after seeing training camp the first day. Gio out there running routes and ran a comeback, I believe, on the one play we saw. So to see him get implemented in a game the same way, that's something I'd like to see more of. Route didn't look great, but it was good enough to get open, and it was a quick little five-yard gain, so you take those. You need those in your offense. And it's that time of the show where we talk about our second sponsor, and that is Abco Safety. As we've mentioned, Abco Safety is a safety distributor located in the Cincinnati area. They're partnering with 3M to sponsor the Lockdown Bengals podcast. If you or your company need any safety equipment, give them a call because they promise to save you money on your safety budget. You can check out everything they've got on their website, www.abcosafety.com. But keep in mind, those are retail prices. They will establish corporate pricing for their customers. Give them a shot at quoting your safety equipment and see how much they can save you. Joe, what are we looking at today? Well, I'm on abcosafety.com and I clicked on their top sellers. And no surprise here, it's a bunch of gloves. Uh, you know, mixed in there with some hearing protection, earplugs to be sure. When I'm on midnights, I like to throw in some earplugs so I could get some sleep in the morning. But the gloves, I can't do anything around the house now without gloves. Maybe it's because of 11 years in industry. But at this point, my wife goes, hey, will you move this? I go get my gloves first. And they've got a great selection of different safety and gloves that will give you a little extra grip. I worked at Graders back one winter when I was in school and worked in the shipping department. And those guys could handle dry ice without gloves they badly needed some gloves all the nerve endings in their fingers were dead so don't be like those guys wear gloves give abco safety a call at 513-672-1818 and mention lockdown bengals take a chance save some money be safe support the sponsor support the podcast we'll be right back if you're looking for the most comprehensive nfl draft coverage this offseason 
Look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And we're back, Locked On Bengals Podcast. Our instant reactions to the 25-23 loss to the Giants. Uh, if you're wondering why we haven't talked to, about some of these players, maybe it's Ventrell Bryant, maybe it's Rodney Anderson's first appearance, uh, maybe even more Jake Dolagala, we will talk more in depth on the next podcast so if you're only listening listening to this one and not the next one as we have uh, every week so far this preseason and as we will do in the regular season you're going to want to listen to the next one as we go in depth a little bit more so those guys had good games when we watch the tape again take some more notes on them uh, that's when we'll probably dive into these other guys even though it was tough sledding for the Bengals in the running game Rodney Anderson stood out for sure in the past game so we'll talk about that on Sunday but now Let's talk about the defense. Did anyone stand out for you positively? Ryan Glasgow, for me, oh, yeah. had a really strong start to the game in run defense. Obviously, we talked about Geno Atkins in the open. He put guys on skates a couple times. We talked about Sam Hubbard's strip sack. That's impossible. Or, sorry, uh, Carl Lawson's strip sack. That's impossible to miss. Yeah, I, for me, I wrote Glasgow down three times in the first two drives. Uh, he just kept beating people. And even a couple times on double teams, he'd split them and, and get in there. Glasgow just seems like a good player, someone you can count on. And he's another one. I mean, we've talked a lot about Carl Lawson because he's going to be a little flashier. He's going to be the one rushing the passer and getting sacks. And that's that's great because we need him. He's the best pass rusher on the team, more than likely. But Ryan Glasgow, also coming back from an ACL injury, he looks like one of their three best D tackles. And I know that doesn't sound like high praise, but he's going to play and he's going to help the team. So it's good to see him back. I thought William Jackson looked good. He ended up getting beat on the last uh, target towards him. That was deep ball. And sometimes you get beat, but there was a, four other targets in his direction. He contested every single one of them. Even the one reception he gave up previous to the long one, his hand's right in there. He actually yeah. knocks it around and the receiver just makes a good catch. And that's what I want to see from Jackson. He's going to give up some catches because he's not – your typical like low center of gravity fluid corner. He's more of it's because of his long arms, ball skills, and speed. So he's going to get tested, but he's going to knock a few away and contest a bunch and get a low percentage of them to be thrown at him and make it risky for for quarterbacks to throw in his direction. So overall, besides those guys that that we've kind of mentioned, I think for the first time I noticed the starting linebackers, whether it be Preston Brown and Nick Vigil. Uh, Vigil had a couple of yeah. tackles, had a couple plays in coverage. And I thought Brown did also. The first play I want to say for the Giants was a, a throw, in, uh, a little out route by I want to say the running back, and Preston Brown's right there to crush mm-hmm. him as soon as he hits, it, as soon as he catches it. And I don't know if that was a catch or not. They don't even think the the team, the the game knew what it was. That the was officials the one knew where they yeah. called the face mask, and the Bengals declined it. And I was sitting there thinking, why did they? Dec- why why not take second and sixteen instead of third and five? Because they thought it was incomplete pass. They must have. I hope yeah. somebody asked Zach Taylor about that after the game. 
and then they didn't give it to him, and that drive ended up being extended for, you know, all the way downfield, 14 plays or 15 plays, whatever it was, when it could should have probably more than likely been a three and out. So I noticed those guys for the first time. So I also did notice Vigil had one bad snap, Brown had one bad snap, where he just wasn't athletic enough to get to the outside on a run play. That ended up only going for four yards or so. But when it got spilled to him, he wasn't there to get to it because he's, he's kind of slow. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed a lot of similar things. I thought Kerry Wynn was pretty solid again. Yep. I think he continues to look better than I thought he would coming over from the Giants. Uh, yeah, the play action early, we talked about that in the first segment. Linebackers and Sean Williams got stuck with their eyes in the backfield. That's what I meant by eye discipline. Play action absolutely yeah. killed him. Uh, amongst the backups... We talked about Tony McRae. Tony McRae did not have a good day. And I really wonder what happened to William Jackson on that almost touchdown pass because he just did not find the ball, looked lost. And that's really where he excels is recovering, finding the ball, making a play on the ball. And it wasn't a good throw. No. It was just, you know, Sam. Maybe that's uh, why. Lawson was in there. He was getting pressure and the throw just floats up. Toward the pile and and just William Jackson running out of bounds. He never sees the ball. On the positive side, Sean Williams wasn't exposed like he was the first two games. I thought Jesse Bates was more active in the run game and uh, as a tackler. So those are good things because I thought even if you look at like PFF grades, but also on on the uh, on the film, it looked like Bates was just you know hanging out back there for the first two games. And this this game, he was definitely active and they were moving and switching a little bit more. A couple other notes I've gotten written here. I think this is probably at this point um, expected, but when when the drive was going and the first first team defense was out there and Sam Hubbard came off the field, it was Kerry Wynn that replaced him. It was not Carl Lawson that replaced him as a base down defensive end. Carl yeah. Lawson was again strictly a nickel edge rusher. And there, there was one there was, snap. Yeah, I was just gonna say there was one snap know, when I'm Lawson was out there. Yeah, yeah. On, yes. on a base snap. There was, they called a timeout, but the formation was that um, that Geno Atkins is at Geno Atkins was at right defensive end. I want to say it was Ryan Glasgow at D tackle, and then it was Carl Lawson standing up in between Dunlap and and Glasgow. I think it was Glasgow, might have been Hubbard, but it, it doesn't matter. Either way, uh, that was weird. And then they come back out, and this time Lawson had his hand down, and they and they rushed from there. And actually, the rush was a they crashed, so they all come they all squeezed the middle for whatever reason. I don't know if they were trying to entice a run to come at them and then defend it, uh, but, you know, it was a quick pass that ended up being converted. You're talking about the first quarter, the first third down? It had to be the first third down, right? Yeah, when Gina was a right end, yeah, it was, it was, it was from left to right, it was Dunlap, uh, Lawson, Hubbard, Gino. Gino would right Okay, so it was Hubbard. Yeah. Okay. I thought they were setting up for a stunt, and I thought actually it was a very fast play. The ball came out really quick, and I don't think we got a replay, so I, I didn't actually see. But it looks like Hubbard and Hubbard and Gino might have been running a stunt on the right. And yeah, I and thought, it never got to get that get that far yeah, in the play. Yeah, because hmm. the ball came out so quickly. But yeah. outside of that, after that play, which is a really interesting alignment, really interesting deployment of those resources, and I think it really does set up some stunts. With, with that personnel, I think you can run it with those guys. Um, we saw some really wide alignments on yeah. two straight plays with uh, with Dunlap and Lawson, like wide nine. And and the yeah. the defensive tackles like were 10. like in five techs. They weren't even at three. There was just nobody in the middle. Yeah. 
Yeah, the first one I noticed was was uh, Dunlap. They kind of like were shifted over. It wasn't both the ends at the same time. It was one end shifted way out wide, and the rest of the D line. You know, on Madden, now you can shift your D line yeah. out. It it was like they were all shifted towards the right side there on the first one. But it wasn't even nine. I felt like is there a ten? Is there an eleven? Because they are <laughs> out there, man. There was a tight end on that side on each time, yeah. and he was wider, like at least two or three spots wider than the tight end. Yeah. It's almost like he was blitzing from the nickel corner spot. And then fourth down comes up. Yeah, it was a fourth down. And um, Lawson yeah. come. Lawson's doing the same thing now. So they shift on the left side there. And Lawson is way wide. And Gino Atkins, that's when he draws the hold from Will Hernandez. Gino was a wrecking crew. He, he looked great. But I do find that alignment very interesting. I was shocked that the Giants didn't try to run the ball. There was only one linebacker even in the middle of the field. So they're spread out on the defensive line, and then there's a linebacker. If you just – there's got to be a running play you can get four yards with there. But yeah, when you, haven't seen, when you haven't seen those, I think, in its preseason, you probably don't have that ability to yeah. quickly change into a, a draw play, let's say. And it's Daniel and Jones. Maybe, right. maybe Eli gets into play there in the regular season, not the preseason. Maybe in the preseason they just run whatever they're running. So don't be surprised if Seattle now, week one, has this where they look at it and say, okay, if the Bengals go out wide like this, guys, have a check in here just in case or we'll run it at that, at that you know, whatever uh, defensive end is out wide. And you have to hope that Lou Anarumo and the Bengals' defense is ready right. for that possibility if they're going out in that personnel on third and short. We'll get into the game in a lot more detail on our Sunday show. Those are our initial thoughts and reactions. Anybody you think change on your 53-man locks? I think Tony McRae might have really hurt his chances to make the team, but at the same time, uh, Devontae Harris didn't have a very good game either, so no, nobody's really deep. challenging him. Right. Anybody else wonder. stand out? No, uh, I wouldn't say from that. I think O'Shea Dugas, the, the bad yeah. game he had, maybe he knocked If we're going to say the same for McRae, maybe Dugas is like, okay, maybe he's not guaranteed or locked into that spot. Uh, but, again, one bad game. I don't want to kill someone for that, but it was really bad. Yeah. Uh, I would also say, looking at it, that uh, the running back situation, because we needed to see Rodney Anderson, and we'll talk about him a bit more in depth, but having him go out there and do what he did, especially as a receiver, you go, okay, official, completely, I'm ready to go at running back. I think those are your four guys. Let's move on. And we will get into all that and more on Sunday. That has been your game recap. The Bengals lose to the Giants in a meaningless preseason game. Thank you, Giants, for going for two. And thank you, Bengals, for not making the two-point conversion. I cannot take overtime in the preseason. And I'll say, if you have any questions while you're listening to this one, whether it be Thursday night, Friday morning for you, uh, we won't record our next one until Sunday, but we'll be watching the games in between. So if you have questions about a specific player you want us to focus on or a play or a design, anything, game situation that you want us to discuss on Sunday, it's a good time to send those over the weekend. That's right. So until then, get those questions in. We'll take a look at the game again, and then we'll record on Sunday. We'll see you then, Bengals fans. Have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 